Previously on Kenya's Blueprint. Powerful individuals who included the then president owned these companies. The former president's shares were held in trust in one of these companies by a prominent Nairobi lawyer. So basically political and economic interests intertwined to undermine the growth of KCC. Also, other farmers believed that they were being fought for, but this was not the case. Their names were just being used. This is Kenya's Blueprint. This is episode 3 of KCC Blueprint. We hope that you are enjoying the episode so far. We are now in the 2000s era. A small group of powerful people bought KCC and renamed it KCC 2000 Limited. The farmers were furious. Now this infuriated small-scale farmers. You're hearing them agitated in the background. Thought that the government would prepare a rescue plan and prevent the company from going under. A general election was fast approaching in 2002. The government in place faced a few problems. One being poor management of economic institutions. The collapse of KCC was one of them. By the end of 2001, the opposition had formed a loose alliance comprising of mainstream opposition political parties. A new dawn in 2002, a new government in place. That December, Kenyans voted in support of the presidential candidate Mwai Kibaki from the opposition coalition NAC. The new government, looking at its pre-election manifesto and the poverty reduction strategy paper, decided to review these two roadmaps. This was with an aim of developing a national development strategy. Among the strategies identified as critical for economic recovery was revival of the agricultural sector and its institutions. This provided the entry point to rapid revival of various sectors. There were several reformers in the new government, and some of them were keen to follow the party's blueprint for reforms. Results were supposed to start coming up. This was a process that was to be done in a hurry. There was post-election euphoria, which accompanied the overwhelming defeat of Kenya's ruling party since independence in 1963, and a defeat of a corrupt regime of President Moi. Each minister was under pressure to show how the new government would not only govern, but also deliver results. Heads were definitely bound to begin rolling. Stones were definitely to be turned. The first sign of a government in a hurry to deliver was witnessed when one of the ministers issued instructions to take over from the Kenyatta International Conference Center. Kanu's Kenya's premier conference center, which housed their offices. The minister argued that the building was built with funds from the government, but the then ruling party had appropriated it for its own use. The minister also argued that the government owned the building and moved in and took over the entire building. This effectively locked out Kanu from its offices. It had used it for about four decades. The government assumed total control of the building. Kanu rushed to the court, but the government insisted that the building was taken over through an executive order of the government. 
The act of taking back of KICC by the then government was a symbolic gesture by the NAC administration to deliver back to Kenyans what the Moi administration had over the years plundered or forcefully allocated to the then ruling party or politically correct individuals. Other MPs were under pressure to deliver as well. Radical reforms started taking effect in several sectors. Judiciary was one of them. It was purged off corrupt judges under what came to be known as radical surgery. The Ministry of Housing, Roads and Public Works was also on a cleanup mission. It launched a program to demolish buildings that had been built in public places by powerful individuals and other people. Powerful individuals had used their positions to acquire public land, including land meant for public utilities. Others expropriated land meant for roads and market centers. The ministry demolished the structures put up on land meant for expansion of roads. The process was on a rampage and no one was to stand in the way of these reforms. There was no room for delays. Sometimes the court instructed to hold some processes, but the ministry ignored this. Clearly, get out of the road and don't be an obstacle towards reforms, and on a road to reform and to undo the wrongs committed by the previous regime. Back to Kenya Cooperative Creameries. The reform operations that I have talked about did inform the initiative to take back KCC and resuscitate the dairy sector in general. In June 2003, the process to buy back KCC started. The Minister for Agriculture and the Minister for Cooperatives announced that the government had approved plans to take back KCC and give it back to the farmers. The Minister for Livestock Development also noted that the key institutions in the sector would be revived in order to enable the farmers get better returns for their investment. The ministers announced that the ministries were consulting on how to complete the process of reverting the KCC back to farmers. Allow me to quote a few words from the speech of the then Minister of Cooperatives. KCC was fraudulently taken away from farmers by another company called KCC 2000. I will personally supervise its repossession. KCC belongs to dairy farmers and they must be let to operate it. We don't mind whether the new owners are willing to hand it over to us or not. All that I can assure you is that we shall return it to its rightful owners in the next 21 days. He also added that the NARC government had promised to return to the public what was taken from them during the previous regime. This he emphasized by saying the NARC government would not relent on its quest to fulfill this promise. The Minister for Agriculture specifically pointed out that the government would spend about Kenya shillings 400 million to pay back the owners of KCC 2000 Limited. Finally, the Ministry of Cooperatives took over KCC 2000 and renamed it the new KCC. Immediately after the takeover, the shareholders of KCC Holdings and KCC 2000 went to court to block the bid by government. They argued that the government was unilaterally taking over the assets of KCC Holdings, the owners of KCC 2000 Limited. Now, remember a few minutes ago, I talked about standing in the way of these reforms. Was the attempt to stop the government taking over successful? If you guessed no, you're right. What followed was an appointment of a 15-member interim board to run the new KCC Limited. The intention to take over KCC and hand it over to the farmers should be seen in the light of correcting malpractices which were designed to rip off cooperators of their hard-earned wealth. The companies that had sued the government, however, eventually withdrew the suit, arguing that the new government had staffed the new judiciary with judges loyal to the government 
and therefore they expected no favorable judgment. But this may not have been convincing. It is possible they withdrew the case because the government showed interest in repaying them. In February 2005, the government agreed to pay back the owners of KCC 2000 Limited. The government approved about 147 million Kenya shillings fine for the purpose. This amount, only 47 million, would go to farmers. Over 90% of the refund figure went to pay the companies owned by the influential politicians, including the former president. Among the beneficiaries were Timara Properties Limited and Cherry Hill Limited. Timara was to get about 300 million, while Cherry was to get about 100 million Kenya shillings. As the government was preparing to repay the companies, the former president went to court to block the prominent Nairobi lawyer who was holding the shares in trust for him from receiving the refund on behalf of Cherry Hill Limited. The former president argued that the refund should not be given to the lawyer through whom Cherry Hill was to receive the money. He argued the refund of about 100 million meant for Cherry Hill to be made to him. He observed that, he had contributed the 100 million as shares for KCC Holdings. But because of state duties and responsibilities, he appointed the lawyer to hold the shares and the company in trust for him. Evidently, the secret faces behind the buying of KCC came to the fore. The matter was finally settled out of court. The government consolidated its takeover of the new KCC. Finally, a new dawn. A new management team was put in place. After buying the KCC, the government embarked on rehabilitating it. Through measures like revival of dairy cooperatives and improving its management, the new KCC was registered on the 25th of June 2003. Its predecessor, KCC Limited, had operated in Kenya since 1925, making it the oldest dairy processor in the country. Now, you may think the new reforms, the new government, or perhaps the new spirit was here to make things better. Previously, we saw the effects of the twinning of political and economic interests. While this problem was far from over. It did not end with the revitalization of KCC and transforming it into new KCC. New economic interests evolved in the new space attending the political change. This interest emerged together with the disintegration of the National Political Coalition beginning in mid-2004. Those who had taken charge of reforms began to show commercial interest, especially after the consolidation of the goals that were meant to be achieved. In January 2005, a company owned by the Minister for Cooperatives, who was responsible for the buying back of the KCC, won the tender to provide insurance services to the new KCC for the period ending to December 2005. The company, Secular Insurance Brokers, was awarded the tender, but other companies that participated in the bid protested. They argued that this was irregular because the minister and his relatives owned the company and that the minister was responsible for the Ministry of Cooperatives, which oversee the operations of the new KCC, regardless of public demand to have their tender revoked the board went ahead and acknowledged that the minister did not declare a conflict of interest at the outset. By this, they defended the minister's farm. Surprising. We were on a path to redemption then this? The old ways of doing business were gradually creeping into the public arena. Gains that had been acquired through rapid implementation of reforms in 2003 began to roll back in 2005. An important context that informed the perceptions of rolling back to the old ways was the collapse of the political coalition starting in the middle of 2004. 
The coalition comprised 19 political parties that loosely united to defeat Kanu. Immediately after elections, disagreements over sharing of political power evolved. Raila is not cooperating. He has united with members of his region and they are fighting us. We shouldn't have trusted him. Well, we need to find new allies. Reach out to Uhuru. Let's see if we can at least get numbers in parliament. Moving into 2004, we witnessed one faction informally withdraw from the government. In order to maintain a numeric strength in parliament, the government co-opted friendly parliamentary parties and opposition MPs. How did the breakup of the coalition turn out? The one faction informally withdrawing from the government caused further fragmentation of the coalition. It also created an opportunity for non-reformers from the previous regime to find a place in government. With members from the previous regime now in government, it became difficult to carry out radical reforms. The era for quick wins and radical surgery was over. Also note this, in 2005, grand corruption scandals had re-emerged and the public was getting increasingly disillusioned by the government. With the breakup of the National Coalition in 2004, there was no unity of purpose anymore. The reform window was firmly shut. So this episode had a couple of twists and turns. Some point there was a light at the end of the tunnel, but now we get back to the gutter. We need proper reforms, don't we? I mean, what is happening to the farmers? His tunnel is caving in. He needs a way out. What will happen next? Subscribe to this and other shows on acute.co.ke. You can also find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and other online podcast platforms.